So if the three of us and Roger Moore circa 1977 had a race, <laughs> what place do you think Roger Moore would take? A, a race? Like Yeah. Just a, a, we did a a 200-yard dash. I'm the heavy, I think I'm the heaviest of the Midnight Boys, uh, but I I still think I could take him because he always looks like he's about to have a heart attack. Uh, everyone, welcome back to another episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, joined as always by uh, my good friends. Um, my friends are older than me, Joe and Duff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Sorry, I'm just trying to I segue mean... into talking about Roger Moore soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is true. <laughs> Age is a race, and we're winning. Uh, um I want to say something, you know, we should celebrate little victories, right? And this is our 50th episode, not about Bond, but just in general. Ooh. We've had 50 of free podcast episodes. We we did it. All right. Yep. A, All right. But now we got box, box it up and sell it at Cracker Barrel. Yeah. <laughs> it's 50 years old. Um, 50 more and we're in syndication. Yes. Yeah. And then we're and really we making the, the, money. Then we can have that special episode that just talks about the other things that we did on the, the clip show. Oh, yeah, the clip the, show. The clip shows and retrospectives. It's just it's easy street from that. They'll on. have to record our interviews for the clip show separately because by then we won't get along at all. So we <laughs> oh, will yeah. refuse to be in the same room together. <laughs> um, so we're talking about continuing our bond. Uh, bond is bond season, and we're talking about Roger Moore, who's been in seven Sounds bond right. movies. Um, we're talking about his third one, so he's you know right in the middle of you know his Bond run, uh, the Spy Who Loved Me from 1977. And, and the, con- the consensus is that this is the best Roger Moore Bond movie, right? Yep, yep. And you know we're gonna get to the Bond rating, which is science, <laughs> later on. But right now, I just want to throw some opinions out there. I do not like Roger Moore as Bond. Uh, I, I second that. He sucks. <laughs> he, uh, number one, he has a, a meanness to him that even the previous Bonds with their 1960s misogynist <laughs> Yeah, jokes, we have 70s misogyny now, like, so it's a little it's less just, bad. It's, Roger Moore seems like he really means it. <laughs> and then on top of that, he... He looks like your dad's friend who got divorced and just comes around the house on weekends. Like, it's, thank you. Psycho. Like, oh, thank you. Hey, Raj is here again. How's it going, Raj? Yeah, he has the um, captain of the football team thirty-five years ago look. <laughs> so you're saying that, he's a Bond bully? He's yeah. I don't. I just. I. I was really. You know, if I, looking at the titles and the nonsense that it looks like. We're gonna have coming up a Roger Moore. I was really excited excited for the Spy Who Loved Me, and like I said, well, we're gonna get to the Bond rating later, and the science comes in, so we don't know how that's gonna work out. But from just my gut instinct, um, I do not like. This is Terrible. my least favorite of the three Bonds. He's uh, he's not good. So before we Joe, like, Joe, your silence indicates you disagree. Let's have conversation. I I don't I I we're gonna talk about it later. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair. So, I, if you want to, if you want my opinion on the film as a whole, which is what we're going to dig into now, I'm happy to share that. Well, let's do a quick. Uh, okay. uh, let me jump into the plot. And when I say jump in the plot, once again, damn these Bond movies, because these are movies I have to sit down and write out <laughs> what I'm going to talk about, because <laughs> it's a lot. It's a this lot. This one I thought uh, was simpler than the last one. I th- yes. Yeah. It's the most linear. It is yes, but then when you start to like figure out what you should include in a recap and what you shouldn't it it feels long but here we go all right we have a fantastic cold open in austria with bond skiing and jumping off a cliff to escape i felt uh, he also I felt sh- deeply owned by this sequence yeah. <laughs> after my comments last time because <laughs> yes. the stunt at the end of it is spectacular yeah absolutely an all-timer um 
He also shoots a ski pole into someone's chest. That's <laughs> so um, cool. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, then we also find out that nuclear subs from both uh, both uh, English and Russian uh, nuclear subs have disappeared. So that puts Bond in a rival spy, Agent Triple X. It's Xander um, Cage, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Vin, <laughs> Vin Diesel uh, showed up. Uh, who's? I guess she's Russian, I guess. Uh, and they're working together. And then we also meet the bad guy, Stromberg, who lives in an underwater lair. And maybe more importantly, we meet his number two guy, Jaws, which we'll so talk, cool. I'm sure, a ton about Jaws. Um, and I'll be meeting you in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Triple X, uh, Amasova, I think is her name, um, and Bond, they they go off to Egypt to find some stolen submarine tracking system plans. They go to a light show at the pyramids. They escape from Jaws there. They also have another run-in of Jaws in some Egyptian ruins, and they escape via the Nile. Um, Amasova tricks Bond and gets the plans. The plans then lead them to Stromberg in his underwater hideout. Uh, Jaws attacks them again on a train and they get away. So then Bond poses as a marine biologist and meets with Stromberg and learns about an underwater city. And Stromberg learns that they're spies and then sends Jaws and others to attack them, but they fail because the car that Bond is driving into turns into a damn submarine. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Um, this leads them into tracking down the La Paris, La, La Paris or whatever. This big, <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. Big oil rig, big, big ship. It's like a battle uh, carrier. Uh, that has the, that's a Stromberg tanker that has the stolen submarines. His plan is to launch nuclear missiles from each submarine, have them hit New York and Moscow, and you can start World War Three. so he can build his underwater city in Atlantis. And everyone can be underwater, who he saves, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, Bond and the others are able to stop this plan, and they have the submarines blow each other up. But <laughs> Stromberg takes Amasova, Agent Triple X, and heads off. So off they go back to Stromberg's underwater base. Bond kills Stromberg through an under the table bullet tube. He and- shoots him in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> and Jaws That's attacks awesome. him again. Bond leaves him in the water with sharks. But Jaws kills the shark with his teeth. <laughs> Bond saves Amasova. They bang. The end. Is that good? Yeah, we're good. The I'm, glad you, I'm... I'm glad you included that Jaws bit the shark to get his freedom. <laughs> the only thing I feel like I missed is the guy who Bond shoots with a ski pole is Amasova's lover, which she finds out later, but they seem to get over that pretty quickly. <laughs> so Jaws, and Jaws lives. Yeah, Jaws lives. I yes. Does Jaws he come lives. back in another movie? Well, well, um, Joe, I, I can tell you this, um, and our listeners, we are going to do a Patreon on Moonraker, uh, and I do know, I have read, Jaws is has a big role in Moonraker. Oh, thank God. Good. <laughs> uh, yes. I I read that <clears throat> originally. Uh, the shark was going to kill Jaws, but test audiences just effing loved him. And so they went back. It's like, no, we got to bring Jaws back. It's the right move. It's yes. the right move. Sometimes focus groups are right. Yeah. They are. So Jaws is a seven foot man with metal seven foot two. teeth. Seven <laughs> foot two. <laughs> Massive. A big, a big lad. A large lad. He has gigantism. Um, the actor. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I hope that that's not the old-fashioned. It's a uh, cool word. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, we're really getting into it, but it's the great Richard Keel. Uh, and let me see. I had brought up the tab, and now I've forgotten <laughs> how to say it too. I'm sure. Uh, acromegaly, which uh, okay. an excess growth hormone uh, after the growth plates have closed. What the f is a growth plate? Uh. It's that, that's it's, like in your bones. That's how you. So that's yeah. how your bones and things like expand. So that's like a different. I don't. You know. You were done when you were ten. Of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't understand it because you you stopped growing when you were too young to remember. I was the I was the <laughs> I was the jaws of the fifth grade. <laughs> you should have had metal teeth. You put in and I did have braces at the time. <laughs> oh wow! You were jaws. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, the great great Richard Keel who topped out at seven to three hundred and thirty pounds. Big and man. For reference, uh, Andre the Giant uh, was billed as seven four, but he was not seven four. Mm. And I, and and for younger people, you know, you know Richard Keel from Happy Gilmore. That's what I knew him from. I'm Guns sure. don't kill people. Yep. I kill people. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's Mr. Larson, Happy Gilmore. Uh, for our older listeners, hi Jim. Uh, <laughs> he. He is in one of the most famous episodes of the Twilight Zone. They just put some alien makeup on him. It's the uh, To Serve Man episode. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so, Joe, before we get into any Bond ratings here, let's just, I'm, I'm curious, you know, Duff and I kind of went off about Roger Moore. I, I just did the plot synopsis, which a lot of moments we can agree are very cool and very fun. Uh, what did you think of this movie? I, I thought it was the best one that we've watched so far wow I, I would say divide it into two like goldfinger's the only one that comes close is it G- because Gold- there's a, a lot of submarines joe uh that helps <laughs> I, I mean it's it's by far the most action-packed it's got the like the clean it a plot that's complicated enough to be funny but not mm-hmm. incoherent like honor majesty's secret service um roger moore is not great but it doesn't distract too much from the final product so I, I would say goldfinger better vibes like that's just a movie where you just sort of enjoy hanging out with sean connery and just the overall much more relaxed vibe of the movie but as uh-huh. a action spy movie th- this one blows it out of the water and I, I i just don't understand the honor majesty secret service people like i don't want bond to just be crying and be a little baby <laughs> and be in love and stuff that's stupid i, I want oh, him so to just gonna... be having fun Winning. I'm uh I'm delighted we have a difference of opinion on this. Um, I'm curious how the bond writing will shake out when we go through this as well. I mean, it's it's not even just about like the the if it's just about the force of personality. Well, then obviously Goldfinger is way better because Sean Connery is a sure, compelling absolutely. figure. But like as a just as a movie, uh, I don't really understand how anyone could say that those other ones we watched were better than this one. It, it, it's it's got the best pacing. Uh, rarely bored. Uh, oh, and man. and it's always funny when the W is when two nuclear explosions occur on the ocean, <laughs> spreading a nuclear fallout everywhere, and it's just complete the consequences of which are totally ignored. Yeah, that's the it, kind of ludicrousness that I want in a movie. I so, yeah, no, I'm with I, you on that. I don't really disagree with anything you're saying. I think it's just Roger Moore. He, like I. It's not just like he doesn't do anything. Like I actively dislike him in this movie. Oh yeah, if, if he, I could then he's I, in I, like every scene almost. So yeah, if you hate him that much, of course yeah, it's gonna ruin it, the movie. Because I was thinking like by the end, I actually got hella bored. Like the last act, and I was thinking I'm like I shouldn't be this bored. Why am I this bored? And it's just, I swear to God, I was more invested in Jaws. I I wanted jaws to be the hero of his own movie (laughs) it's you know i don't know if that's it for me yeah that's interesting because i the first like i feel like this movie's sort of the opposite of on her majesty's secret service where like that movie doesn't start off great and then like it becomes i think great by the end where this starts off with a bang and by the end i was like dude are we are we on minute 80 inside this tanker like, yeah, I, yeah, but it's like so I'm so I, bored. I would say that that drags too when they're fighting the submarine crew and they're trying oh. to get back in the boat. But like that's just as boring as them storming that base in Goldfinger. That I, goes on I, forever too. It could be. It didn't feel like it to me. But um, but I'm 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 you know as Joe you've often said man got to embrace the debate right. <laughs> yeah, I'm the first person to ever say that. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> you. It's you. Um, all right, so let's. Let's you know before we get into the details and stuff. Let's just jump right into the bond rating. I think it's. I think we should we should go into this. That's what and the then, people uh, came here for. Yeah. So yeah, that's what they tuned in here for. So Joe, let's get this yeah. started. Um, what do we got up first? Bond rating once again. B A H N D. Bloodshed, allure, humor, nerve, and deception. Yeah. So, well, we'll go in order like usual. Uh, the delivery of violence. Uh, in in terms of killing or in self defense, uh, where does Roger Moore's Bond rank in that for you guys? On um, five being 
top marks, one being the big F fail. I, I guess to recap, I'm not going to recap every score. Uh, go back and but, listen to the other episodes. Yeah. Um, this one's tough for me because there's a lot of, there's some fun bloodshed. You got, the, we mentioned shooting a ski pole into someone's chest. Fantastic. It's a good way to kill someone in a Bond movie. You also has, as Duff eloquently stated, he kills the bad guy by shooting him in the dick. <laughs> so that's good. <sighs> he also I, uh, also is the, I think, only, this is the only time in movie history, I think, where I can think of a protagonist uh, hurting his enemy by shocking them in the braces. <laughs> that's she true. does the jaws on the train. I, I also really liked when he just hung the guy off the roof because he was holding on to Bond's tie. Yeah. <laughs> he just slapped his arm away. Yeah. That's true, too. That's true, too. Man. So, gosh, guys, I guess. So here's what, what those are great. There's just a lot of him just doing standard gunplay, you know, and just firing into groups of people, which is just less entertaining. Um, I'm going to go three for Bloodshed. Uh, I, I'm going to go with four. I'm going to give him for creativity. <laughs> yeah, I also gave him a four. I, I thought he's a benefit of uh, editing that isn't too slow, but it also isn't incoherent like uh, uh, Lazenby was suffered through with uh, Honor Majesties. Uh, very clever death dealing. A return mm-hmm. to the use of gadgets, and I, I think we can all, all three of us can clap our hands in applause at, at bringing that back after our last yep. movie. It didn't, yeah. uh, both in the car, in the submarine. Um, I really wish he could have used the tea platter, uh, uh, slicing oh, tea yeah, platter was, thing. Uh, it's too yeah. bad that he didn't get a chance to use that. Or the, the chair that just all of a sudden thrust a knife upwards. <laughs> or how... Yeah, I, sorry. I, I think I think if I'm honest, like the bloodshed's a four or five. I just like watching Roger Moore move is not <laughs> is not good in well, my you, mind. So you're that's not convinced about his athleticism when he put his feet on the side of the elevator so he didn't fall down. Yeah, what a move that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will say, and again, I I ranked him high because of uh, inventiveness, because I think he knows his weaknesses, and his weaknesses are hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Just just straight-up punching. My man gets owned by Jaws quite a bit. Well, he's a giant! (laughs) Well. He gets gets real inventive with all these other deaths, and with Jaws, he's like, oh, just fight him. (laughs) He shocks him in the braces. I, that was cool. I'll, I'll admit that. But he's also the, at a time. Yeah, I mean, I think he does the best. Uh, uh, the only yeah, re- I, Jaws. I guess those the only reason he didn't get smashed is because Jaws accidentally let down a scaffolding. <laughs> just <laughs> fell onto him. I wish we could get some John Wilson commentary on that scene. Oh my God! Yes, amazing. <laughs> um, so, so uh, pretty high marks across the board here. Uh, we don't rarely, all three of us, go three or higher in the same category. It has happened, mm-hmm. though. All right, Allure. The, I, I, just overall, just charm and sex appeal. I've got a feeling that you guys are not going to score very highly on this one. Man, I, so, okay, if I look at what he does in the movie, he ends up with Ski Girl. He ends up with Egyptian Lady. He ends up with another lady who he literally uses as a shield and a triple X. Okay, okay. does um, she move into way of the bullet? Because she screams I, no, and it's it's hard to tell if she moves herself in front or if he swings her look, around. Look, he, he helped her along. <laughs> he didn't stop her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Saving her was not on his list of to-dos that day. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, he also, um, tr- uh, the woman in the boat that comes to pick him up. Yeah. Can't stop staring at him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I am going to so so on on the on paper, he does very well. It, this on, isn't just about what they do though. It's how do they move you? Yeah. You know? Well, if it's how he moves me, it's See, a I, one. You got to include that. Like, do you I, buy it? Do you buy it or not? I know? don't. He 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 to me feels like back to Duff's point earlier. 
big divorce dad energy cosplay. <laughs> I don't as get. Sean I don't Connery. really. I don't really get the divorce dad thing. Oh, uh, I, I I get like my my negatives on him. I guess are different. But all right, I he yeah he has a coldness to him. Yeah. Like I he seems <laughs> like not again. We're talking within the confines of the story. Like I don't think Sean Connery ever came off as like actually hating people Roger Morbon seems like he just has contempt for everyone <laughs> he doesn't seem cool he's not cool yeah he's got cool things he does cool things he's women like him but he's not cool here here's yeah. the other thing that I thought of uh he has the same energy as uh Kirk Gibson in his famous walk-off home run when he's like limping up to the plate. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't get that at all. <laughs> Rob, you know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking about. I just don't see what you... he... Just, Go on. Just he, he, all of Roger Moore's fights seem labored. Is okay, the word I but that's, but that's like, different, it, though. He's, he's an old man. Yeah. <laughs> he's an old man. Too old. Too old to begin the training. Yeah. So, so he doesn't have like the the hot dad energy. No. Okay. So he's not like a. He's not like like at this point George Clooney is a pretty old older man. He's got to be pushing near sixty now, right? But he's still quite alluring because he yeah. Yeah, he he ages well. You're saying Roger Moore is not aging. I don't, I don't see any sex beyond Roger Moore. Okay. No. So are you putting him at a one or a two? I'll give him a two because of uh, the body count. Wait, no, we're talking about, oh, the ladies he's with? Are you referring as a body count? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> okay. Jesus. I, I also gave him a two. He's not having any fun out there. So my my thing with him, it's not that. He's trying to replace that wife who left him and nothing's working. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't get, I didn't get that vibe. I got just like, like he's just bored of it. Like he just expects it, and, yeah. he, and it's not fun anymore. Like, sort of like we're like an aging rock star is just still betting tons of groupies, but like they they don't derive any fun or pleasure from it. It's just to fill their em- the emptiness inside, which yeah. I suppose one could argue is divorce dad energy. No, no, no. Because oh. if you're thinking, they even mention this in the film that that he's a widow widower. Like if you think about if if you're gonna be charitable to it. You would say that it makes sense because he has loved now and lost, and he probably feels like he'll never love again. So women for him just are this bomb, this salve on on emptiness inside of himself. Like there's no love in it, there's no fun in it. It's just a thing to do to try to make himself feel something briefly, you know. Now that said, I am the last person who wants anything in a Bond movie to be taken seriously, and that's why he only mm-hmm. gets a two. Because having Bond be sad is stupid. That's why I don't like a lot of the newer ones, either. Okay. Um, what do we have next? Well, what did you... What was your score? Oh, for Allure? Yeah. One. Okay. Uh, okay, here's another one that he's gonna just break the chart... Uh, top the charts on. <laughs> humor. Uh, I I gave him a two for humor. I, it was a one for like the first half of the movie. I thought his delivery of one-liners improved as the movie went along, but I would say just like when he's having se- sex, when he's making a joke, it's just it's empty. He's just going through the motions here. He just, he doesn't believe in it, believe it at all. Yeah, it's 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 different than the Lazenby lack of humor, where that was like there was funny jokes, but. The performer had no idea how to like. I think Duff said something about him. I wasn't aware of what a joke was. Is what you get from George <laughs> Lazenby. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Roger Moore is aware this is a joke, but he reads it the way you would read out loud a joke in a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like you're it's, aware it's a joke, but you didn't really think of how you would tell it until it, you know as you're reading it. Is Roger Moore just doing anti-comedy before anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know really know much about him as a person, but it, uh, I didn't get vibes from him that he had much of a sense of humor um, because some of those lines are so ridiculous and so funny that to, to, 
to execute them with without any bit of a twinkle in your eye is come on man yeah i think it's that lack of coolness once again that yeah, he just, I, I, and just you know, no, like, not great timing either. He doesn't it, seem like he'd be mm, funny. That was the big it, thing in the first half. Like the delivery had really poor timing. In the second half of the movie, it got it got better. That's why he's a two for me instead of a one. I I think I think you know part of it is I feel like Roger Moore does better in screenshots than in video. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like when That's you see a, a picture of Roger Moore as Bond, you're like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, like sometimes I'll see photos. I'm like, yeah, he looks cool. And then he just starts fighting someone, and I'm like, oh, he isn't cool. <laughs> no, he's not cool. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna go with a. I don't know if I already said it. I'm going with a one on humor. Okay, I think I have to go with a one as well. All right. Uh, nerve, staying cool under pressure, and there's some moments here where he is in a tight spot. Uh, how good did he do at keeping his nerves staying cool under pressure? I feel like I'm going to score higher than I thought I would. Yeah, I thought he. this was probably his strongest area. I mean, the big the big one is, especially when you compare it to Goldfinger, is when he has a chance, you know, when he's got to um, dismantle that bomb, he yeah. knows what he's doing and is aware <laughs> of it. Versus... <laughs> And we could maybe put that into the Deception and Spycraft rating later. But yeah, uh, being actually a spy definitely helps him versus Sean Connery. Yeah. So I uh, think how about nerve... or when he gets questioned in the aquarium and he has to know things about that fish? Yeah, I was worried about him there, I'll be honest, because yeah, it took yeah. a while. It, it wasn't really that tough of a fish to, to assign him. No. Yet, but he, but he, he was able to do it. <laughs> I didn't know the scientific um, name of it, but I knew what the fish was and why it was bad news. Yeah, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a. Gosh, I guess I'm gonna go with a four here. I think I'll go with a four as well. Um, I'm giving him a four because, and and it, it's the fish scene. He he's sweating for a little while there. He didn't and have I, a good I, poker face, and I didn't get why because he knew he ended up knowing it. So he he wasn't like fake sweating it as a joke. There's no wink or twinkle after he gives the right answer, like he was just fooling. I think he yeah. actually really did forget what the answer was for a little while. Or he guessed and just guessed right and was very lucky. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to get a five, you've got to be damn near perfect. And that was a that was a botched, uh, botched moment for him. Sir Hillary, he knew all about the history of uh, crests and family seals. Yeah. Sure did. And, and he only got a four for me, too. But I would say he, if I had to rank... Uh, Lazenby versus Moore, I think I'd give Lazenby a, a slight edge. He'd be like 4.1 instead of a 4. But Roger Moore was just fine in this department. I never got... He, he gave that Bond confidence that I want. I mean, like I said, the big the big, the big big passing test was the bomb. It he, could also he, be, to, to go along with what we were saying, it might just be that he doesn't care if he lives or dies because his life is so empty. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the Mel Gibson lethal weapon mentality. Mm-hmm. The rigs. There we go. Um, All right. And then deception, just overall general spy craft here. Uh, he gets points over Sean Connery because he fakes a name during an operation. Yeah, <laughs> so that helps. Ac- actual spying occurs. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So on, on, on the, on the good part, he does do that. He does, have a disguise well not disguise i guess uh he just shows up like himself um he he does have a lot of cool gadgets which i kind of put in deception maybe that's not a fair thing to put in there uh the more i think about it maybe it isn't couple negatives though he does use a girl as a shield again which doesn't possibly a cool spy move um (laughs) And he does lose jaws for a while in some Egyptian like columns. Like he's a seven foot dude, man. You can't lose a seven foot dude lumbering away. But when you're Roger Moore and you can barely move as well, <laughs> it gets him eventually. How much? Did get him eventually. How much do you think Roger Moore sweat when they were filming in the pyramids and he had to wear a black tux? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go deception. I'm just gonna go with a. Hmm, I'm. I, I he's better than Connery, but not by much. I don't remember what I gave him. So I'm gonna I gave say Connery a, a three. 
Okay, I'm going to give him a three as well then. All right. I think I'm going to give him a three, which is solid average. Um, he does say he's a marine biologist, but that's about <laughs> all the effort he puts in. And, and he gives himself a different name. Yes. And says he, that he has a wife. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you, like, I, I think that I can, you know, I, I even when I knew he was not, I totally bought Sir uh, Sir Hillary as a, <laughs> as a boring genealogist. Roger Moore, at no point was I'm like, was I ready to suspend disbelief? Like, dude, you are not. I mean, to be fair, he did know fish facts, but... Fish facts! <laughs> <laughs> he had to study up his fish facts book on the way in on the submarine. But, you know, he, he, he reminded me of uh, that scene and probably gif of Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American Summer, where he's like, oh, just where he throws where pouting, yeah. pouting and putting stuff away. Like, that's the Roger Moore energy, like, oh, if I have to do this... <laughs> Well, I've got bad news for you, Duff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gave Roger Moore a 14, so he is an equally good Bond uh, as Sean Connery for you. Well, that science does not lie. Yep, and yeah, same, same with me. I gave science. him a 15, and that matches up with Sean Connery for me as well. So uh, somehow, <laughs> all three of us say, and I came out of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, like the more I've thought about that movie, the less I've liked it. But I still have the shame of saying he's my number one bond so far. <laughs> and, uh, so our number one bond so far is me, Lazenby with a sixteen, and I'm ashamed of myself. But the numbers don't lie, um, and it's really on the strength of his um, his, uh, his his nerve. No, and uh, Lord, what is it again? Lord Sir Hillary. So oh, Hil- Sir, Sir Hillary, Hillary like <laughs> but that sequence really saved him. Um, Rob has Connery tops with 18 and Duff has also has a Lazenby or Lazenby or whatever it is, uh, tops with 17. Uh, so we still have three to go though, right? We have yeah. three we're, to go. We're, we're halfway. O- we're only halfway done, baby. Yep. Well, for those we're counting David Niven, then we're also more of a half. Well, no, we're not. <laughs> well, he better hope we're not. Cause he was in single digits <laughs> all the way across the board. <laughs> um, Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about some parts of this movie. Um, I think we got to talk about the Bond girl. Yeah, not a great performance in my opinion, um, but I don't want to be mean. Well, we're, we're here to have fun and, and be positive. She, I don't um, know if it's her fault. Yeah, I don't know if it's her fault either. Uh, but she accent work not great. I guess it, I guess she was Russian. Um, Let's just say Eastern. But she, uh, she in terms, she's not intimidated at all by Roger Moore and and stands toe to toe with him. And yeah. I think in those scenes where they're trying to one up each other, I think she does a great job in those. Yeah, yeah. She um, so she was cast four days before the movie started filming. And exp- it, now, where is she from? Well, you mean like country like, of origin? Yeah, or yeah. What if country she's an American? Okay, so if she's cast four days ahead of time, they're like, okay, you need to do a Russian accent. Now it's not her fault that it wasn't. Good. I agree. Okay, and now, now I'm definitely even forgiving her even more. Whoa, she was married. She's married to Rachel yes. Star. Yes, yep. we'll get to that. Yes, I didn't know um, that. I didn't do any research into her at all. Oh, so cool. she, she didn't even audition for that part. She auditioned for a different role in the movie. And then four days beforehand, they're like, oh, you're the lead. Cool. So, you know, um, and she wasn't wild about James Bond when it was all done. Uh, she referred to him as a chauvinist pig who uses girls to shield him against bullets. Yeah. My, <laughs> he, he's, I mean, he, I, I don't want to downplay. He does suck real bad as a person. Um, I hope it hasn't sounded like it, that stuff doesn't bother me. The part that bothered me the most was um, when she takes the van away from Jaws and she's trying to get away, and mm-hmm. he like refuses to help her, and he's just making and he makes that joke about women drivers. It's like yeah, that's, it's I know it's the '70s, but that had to have not been funny even then. No, yeah, I, also I feel like there's a lot of too. really hackish humor in this, more so than the previous. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, but yeah, to go on what you said earlier, Joe, um, she is married to Ringo Starr, which it made it made me think. Do you? So she got married to Ringo Starr in 1981. So like after Beatles fame, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think? I, so they've been married for you know 40 years. They're still married. Think, yeah. yeah. Do you think they? Do you think Ringo like tells her stories about the Beatles? anymore and does she care like i i kind of wonder like if she's like you know if he's kept backstories and just like not told her some stuff because you know <laughs> it was in the wild times of the 60s or if he talks about it all the time and she just could care less about the beatles anymore i'm sure he doesn't care about the beatles anymore <laughs> i mean like i well i don't know like i don't how much how often okay so how often do you or, tell stories or, from when or, you were younger i mean Ours aren't, as, aren't ours aren't as interesting as Rigo stars are, I'm sure, but yeah, I, d- I, doubt he, I doubt he talks about it very much. Or do you think he, she wants to hear Beatles stories and he just keeps telling her stories about Ringo's all-star band? I feel like two is a more Ringo I will not thing. abide by being mean to Ringo on this podcast. That's simply not allowed. I'm not I, being mean to him. You, you don't say make jokes about his all-star band. I didn't. I just said that that's but probably all he wants to talk about. Is I the think All-Star you band. would agree that Ringo focusing more on the All Star Band would be a very Ringo thing to do. <laughs> it's about the job cookie. at hand. <laughs> he can't change things about the Beatles anymore. He can still affect his All Star Band, which I'm sure will play Summerfest again whenever Summerfest resumes. That's a Summerfest staple, Ringo's All-Star Band. Uh, you know what? I'm making you guys come with me. Yeah. Next, my time favorite Ringo, part... next time Ringo's All-Star Band comes through, you guys have to come. My favorite part about every year when the All-Star Band tours is you have to read all the articles about all the snubs. <laughs> yeah. all this, oh, so-and-so should have been in it. I don't know why they weren't chosen this year. The drummer from Def Leppard was livid that he wasn't invited to be in a Ringo's All-Star Band <laughs> It's like the 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 rhythm guitarist from Sticks, but not the lead guitarist. Like, oh, it's all politics. Oh God. Um, we also we also have uh, Carl Stromberg um, as our villain. Who, uh, guys? Here's my other issue with this movie. I love I love the hideout. I love the Atlantis thing. It's awesome. This it is guy. Really- this guy is not trying. This guy, yeah, this, the bad guy is essentially, is essentially your uncle on Facebook. He's just, he's just, he's just on his keyboard, pushing buttons and causing harm. He's laying around in furniture that Stanley Kubrick said no to for the set of 2001. And and they picked it up out of the dumpster outside of his studio. And yeah, this guy's not trying. He, he, He is a very rich incel. That's yeah. He, he's one step away from sweatpants. <laughs> that was a big knock for me on this movie because I feel that much as I dislike Roger Moore, I feel like this movie could have elevated more in my standing if it had, a, you know, a Blowfield or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Nope, did not. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I'm like, trying to. Was, was I'm trying... Lee J. Cobb still available for work? Like someone was, like him. Yeah, you need a heavy hitter for a villain. Uh, and, Ned Beatty. Can we get oh Ned Beatty in this role? Oh. Like, oh my God, Ned Beatty as a Bond villain is so awesome. Oh it, my it God, it could it could still happen. He's still with us. Uh, why why couldn't we get Orson Welles? He, uh, just offer him as much money as he wants to just be this rotund yeah, super villain who sit. lives under the sea. Orson, you could have been like Orson. You don't have to stand up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the entire movie is sitting. You're It'll gonna hit, You're gonna look at screens and hit buttons and talk. Can I do the some big... magic tricks? Yes, <laughs> sure. <laughs> he has a trap door. You can't do magic tricks, but you do have oh. a trap door. Okay, I got real excited about this movie when that happened. Oh, that, me too. Because I was like, yes, this is what I want. Just cartoonish like oh there's a trap door now you're eaten by sharks yep mm-hmm. so unfortunately Delightful. everything other than the person is awesome though he has an undersea lair called atlantis yep 
That he, looks great. He has a, a shark pit. <laughs> I don't know. If pit's obviously he, not the right word, but I insist he, on calling it a pit. He can look out and see cool fish anytime he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has he has windows that can be covered up by classic paintings. I mean, <laughs> how okay? How did Bond, as a marine biologist, go out there and visit Stromberg? Like, it's they never really so, they never they explained what his like what he wanted. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like this guy knows a lot about fish and underwater already, having built an underwater station. I guess we'll just say MI6 probably came up with uh, an elaborate backstory. Yeah. And like, ooh, this guy is really has amazing credentials. I'm going to ask him what a tiger fish is just to make sure that he's he's legit. So I think that the big, and maybe this is unfair, but I think... One of many reasons that this villain was just dull and boring to me is this is a, a, a Captain Nemo figure. Yes. And yeah. if you want to see how to play this role right, look at uh, Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with James Mason as also kind of a like just a weird misanthrope who wants to dwell amongst the sea creatures. Yeah, he's basically he he his character is. Uh, hates imperialism and in many ways is right but i will not necessarily endorse his methods <laughs> but yeah but, but many of his motives are pure and good i can't say the same so much for this villain his goal is i want to end all life above the water yeah <laughs> which i can't i don't really think that's going to work out too well for the sea but okay and, yeah and and quite honestly this is the first time we've had of, of these bond movies you can't have a bad villain because they're the they've got to be one of the most fun characters you can play. On the other hand, like at the same time, you've got Columbo putting out episodes every single <laughs> every week with cool villains. Yeah, yeah, true. I uh, will say that uh, this was the first time that I thought the 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 actual thesis of the plan was really really cool. Yeah, and I guess uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service that was. That was kind of broader. That... <laughs> there, there is some fun stuff with it, like brainwashing and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fun. But like with Goldfinger, and um, it's just like, oh, he wants to make more money. Like, oh, yeah, that's dumb. That's yeah, kinda... but it's a smart way to do it. It's, it's... a like. <laughs> yeah. I thought we agreed it was a dumb way to do it. Well, it is a dumb way, but it's a smart way if you don't think about it. But see, like the end goal is not crazy enough. The yeah. whereas this dude is like, I'm gonna start mankind over all over again <laughs> under the sea. Yes. Yes. If we have a generation of babies who do not know what the sun looks like, um, uh, humans will be more pure. With that said, I did not see many women amongst his his stormtroopers there. Um, I do not know if he's thought this through very well. Um, maybe he uh, maybe he doesn't want humanity to continue. Maybe he wants. Well, I guess if we're taking the really the long view here, he might want human beings to be extinguished and then start the evolutionary process all over again. Hmm. Or they can become. Maybe he had some fish he picked out <laughs> Ooh. to make fish people. It's a shape of water thing that he's yep. going for. Dolphins, yeah. and maybe he just wants dolphins and whales to rule the world. They're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, does this actor have any credits of note? Like, should he have been good? No, he wasn't. Like, he was in. Uh, I think it was a German show. Or there's a lot in this movie, both with him and and Barbara Bach, where. It's kind of actually in some ways, I guess it might be strange that this movie ends up being as good and and, and incredibly popular as it was because it feels like they didn't think like they chose him because like I think someone on on the on the crew had worked with them before and was like yeah yeah go with him and the way they chose Barbara Bach or like yeah yeah we don't want to spend too much money that's yeah, the thing about so Bond they're, series they're, they're incredibly cheap with casting yeah. not anymore but so yeah so they probably like. Well, it's probably like the horror movie mentality. Like, you don't need to spend a lot of money on a on the cast. People are just going to go see it because it's a Bond movie. People don't aren't going to expect great. You need your Bond and everything else. Yeah. People, you don't need to spend a lot of money on any of the other characters. And there's probably some truth to that. So, Catherine, I'm going to say her name wrong. Catherine Deneuve. Did I say that correct? Deneuve, you mean? The French actress? Deneuve. Yeah. yeah. She was willing to cut her rate from 400000 to 250000 to be in this movie. But uh, old Cubby Broccoli would not pay above eighty thousand. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, man, 
I guess it worked out for them. It worked out fine. Barbara Bach. I mean, she wasn't great, but it didn't. It didn't hurt the movie. I didn't think. This, it, and I mean, it was a hit. It was. Yeah. Uh, but behind. Do better it, with the villain. Come on. But then let. But then let's bring it around the other. Let's give him credit. They found Richard Keel to play Jaws, and he steals the entire movie. Let's yeah. talk yeah. about him now. Let's talk about someone who's just an absolute. Seems like a prince. And just, what a he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about Richard Keel, the person who, by all accounts, just a, a very nice, loving person. He seems, it, I mean, the phrase is tossed out there, but a gentle giant. Uh, there's a very funny clip of him on the very early years of Letterman that I watched right before mm, this. Yes, I've seen that too. It's so good. Yeah, Richard Keel, uh, 7'2", 330 pounds. He, was, he lived to be into his 70s. Uh, sometimes people who have uh, growth hormone imbalances or something like that, they're just... Like, Andre the Giant was just famously in pain every second. This is why we cherish every episode we get to do with you, Duff. <laughs> yep. We know that. Uh, we know how much you're hurting right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he, uh, also, I don't know if you read that Richard Keel, apparently these metal teeth they put in his mouth, I think they were acrylic, um, they were really painful. Yeah, they looked very uncomfortable. Man. He said that he could really only wear them for a minute or two at a time before it just hurt his head. Uh, yeah. He said it was uh, it was like having upper and lower dentures, except they smelled like rust. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, when, uh, when I was a kid, um, both my parents had dentures, and uh, I... <laughs> In my head, I was like, "Well, why, why, why even take care of my teeth? I'll just get dentures when I'm older." Oh man! Um, I mean, that. How old were you? <laughs> like to a certain age, that's pretty. Yeah, sensible. yeah. I, you know, I eventually. If you were like learned. 14, though. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my teenage rebellion. I'm not going to brush my teeth. What's the difference? Yeah, what if you're still thinking that once you hit puberty, there's something, yeah, something wrong. Yeah, but, but I do wrong. get the, I do get it before that. When, when you don't know what sex is. Um, Richard Keel, uh, Duff, I, there's a fun fact you told me about his wife <laughs> that I find fascinating. Uh, he was married twice, and the second time, I think, he was married for a long time. Uh, but he was married to someone who was only five feet tall. Oh, my God. Which, like, you know, we're all about six feet tall. Imagine mm-hmm. if our wives were four feet tall. Yeah, that would no. They would be three feet tall because no, it's a two foot difference. Two foot, two foot, okay. And two foot two inch difference because he was. Listen, I'm not going to judge, but I'm not marrying a woman who's four feet tall. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> I have a lot of just questions about how like basic human contact would work. Well, I guess it, when when you're that tall, you're used to everyone being shorter than you, like way shorter than you all the time. So it probably yeah. doesn't bother you quite as much. That's that's fair, I suppose. Yeah, so it, it's probably just. I have these questions about Shaq too. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, is anything else you guys want to talk about Richard Keel? Uh, Joe, I know you love him. Oh, and he's so funny in Happy Gilmore. Yes, like, yes. He's... <laughs> I rewatched he steals the that scene. movie re- too. He steals that movie. Yeah, I rewatched those scenes of him with. <laughs> And I mean, I don't know how much that movie really holds up, but his scenes are, uh, his delivery is so funny. Like, he's just so perfect. Uh, yeah. Which, Jaws is which, an all-time henchman villain. And beyond that he has steel uh, barbed teeth, we never know why. And I love yeah, that. It's just, yeah. just, of course it makes sense. Well, he outgrew his teeth. Yep. It's, it happens. That, it's cool that he's going to be back. I'm glad I get to see him again. Yeah, yeah, we do get to see him on our on the Moonraker. Um, Let's talk about the uh, the song. Yes, I, yeah. I banger. Uh, I love Carly Simon. She's great. She was a, a big favorite of my mom. Uh, grow and so my I heard Carly, Carly Simon a lot, and yeah, she's great. And the song the song is Aces. Yes, nobody does it better. Hmm. So, uh, are there any interesting stories I, with this one? Can I, uh, before we, I don't have a ton of like, there's not a lot of like dirty laundry or weird stuff about that song, but uh, the title sequence to this 
pretty raunchy, even by James Bond standards. <laughs> My favorite is I feel like every single episode we've done on this, Duff is just, he's just not, he just can't get over the title sequences. They're, they're like, <laughs> just everyone's parents in the 70s and 60s were going to see Bond movies, and there was like a burlesque show for the credit sequence. <laughs> so we're going to find out, like, you've talked about how your family were like Revolutionary War heroes. <laughs> Go back a little bit farther when you're going to find out they were definitely Puritans. Because you are so shocked and scandalized by these. It's not so much like shocking. It's just they out, each movie outdoes itself where it's like, oh, now we have just women gyrating. And like, I swear there's stripper poles in this one. Just <laughs> I I love it. I love it. I love whenever they're just like, and, and I guess especially, you know, because I feel like I guess we'll see as we go through. I don't. I feel like they're less sexy than the ones like we grew up on. I don't remember them being this, this you know, the scandalous. And, yeah, and, like I, I tried to see what was this movie rated because this was by the time of the rating system. Was this PG or R? I'm sure um, it was an R. There's no way. Yeah, I was gonna say like we see some nips. <laughs> like in oh, this. in the submarine, you walk by like some porno uh, pictures. It's PG. It's PG. Yeah, wow. it's rated PG. So, yeah. Well, kids, take kid. that, Titanic. Yeah. Uh, so Duff has turned into Tipper Gore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was bad. It was just... <laughs> Listen, nobody does it better. Mm-hmm. These title sequences in the Bond movies. So this was which... Carly Simon's like biggest hit, right? Um, you're so vain didn't stand the, I read it didn't stand the charts as long as this one did. I mean if you're going just by chart numbers I uh this went to number two and like it stayed on the charts longer so if you're just going by numbers yeah I think this was technically a bigger hit at the time but I I feel like you're so vain is her you know her signature song yeah now. more people know about that now um yeah yeah this was uh this was uh nominated for an Oscar too and I think uh it was the first bond song to be nominated for an oscar um there's five total and the, yeah so like like goldfinger which is pretty iconic that wasn't nominated so the song and the music in this movie was by uh marvin hamlish who is a he's an egot winner and a uh uh pulitzer that is name sounds P- familiar what do you know happen to know what else he's um, he abroad like staging wise he did a chorus line he did the music for the way we were ordinary people he did a, a ton of stuff okay um oh he's got a pigot not yeah. just an egot yep pigot because the pulitzer wow. yeah um, oh i get it now so yeah and they so they they hired carly simon uh it was written let's see uh the lyricist carol bayer sager said the the lyrics sounded incredibly vain and then <laughs> that's what made them think of Carly Simon. One more fun fact, uh Tom York, he claimed uh when Radiohead covered a live version of this that he claimed it was the sexiest song ever written. Hmm. Oh. Well, no one knows sex like Tom York. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Joe. Nailed it. No surprises on that one. <laughs> I um, think I think about people like uh, Isaac Hayes. Yep. <laughs> um, Cardi B. Yep. Tom York. Tom York. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, music to have Kid A to. <laughs> <laughs> so since we last talked about a Bond movie, it was only last week, but in the Bond world, in real world, it was, what, 1916? When was uh, 69, I think, right? Yeah, 69 to 77. Yeah, eight years earlier. And, like, a lot happens in action films in those eight years. Um, They get good. And and (laughs) you've got, you've got French, like, and a lot of them happened right after uh, On Her Majesty's Service. We have French Connection, you have Dirty Harry, you have movies like Death Wish, you even have, like, Enter the Dragon. So there's kind of, like, a big change, um, or at least, like, I think the 70s is the first decade where I'm like, there are action films. Like, what we think of as action films occur in yeah, the 70s. It's no longer it's no longer war and western to get your, yeah. to get your manly adventure fix. Yeah, and Bond movies, which were kind of their own thing in some ways. In I mean, by this point, spy movies are a whole 
thing. Like there were so many Bond oh, copycats yeah. and uh, TV shows as well. Yeah, and even in 1977, you have um, you know not classical. Uh, it would consider action films, but like you have a box office dominance by movies that are based on action. With this, Star Wars and Superman all came out in yeah. 77. Yeah, more fantasy, science fiction, but definitely have an action component. So we kind of see, compared to On Her Majesty's Service, which is, um, you know, you have these, it's, you know, we've talked a lot last week about the editing and sort of the action sequences. We sort of know how to do, especially um, the car stuff and, like, the special effects and everything. Like, the action sequences, like, we know how to do it in 1977. There's sort of, like, a lot of polish on this compared to, like, the last Bond movies we watched. Yeah. yeah I was trying to think of the great car chase movies in the sixties versus the seventies and bullet. I mean, maybe it's the best one ever. Yeah. It's 68, 68, right? 68. So there were a few that, that there are more than a few, but, but not there. There were some in the sixties that, that did it really great. But French connection, I think uh, is, is another bullet. I think set the bar. And then I think French connection probably like, resets the bar just a few years after that and it's shout out it, to uh the herbie movies in the 60s that walt disney did <laughs> and there's, a, there's a there's a pretty cool car scene in this one where it's not very long but when he's speeding away and that uh motorcycle with the sidecar which i'm a mm-hmm. huge sucker for um sidecar missile sidecar the yeah. yeah the missile sidecar yeah i don't get i i I thought you guys would like this movie more because there's moments like that that are so I was just giggling. There's a sidecar that is a missile that they shoot at his car. Yeah, I mean, I'm so with you, awesome. dude. There's so many things I like all in this. The, all the gadgets, the submarine car is awesome. I think it's just Roger Moore's energy just tanks it so much for me. Um, yeah. So one well, thing, when it comes to '70s action, uh, yeah, you you said a lot of the big heavy hitters that. Um, you no longer you have more competition and maybe that's why in a way this movie feels out of sorts for me mm-hmm. with Roger Moore and all these big effects because I kind of looked at it and <laughs> there's two big threads that I that this is a original take there's two big threads in American. I'm not going to count uh, foreign. I think it's easier just to focus on American. Um, is you have what I call a gritty cops category. You got your Death Wish, Diddy Har- Dirty Harry, French Connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's a category unto itself, and that is Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of like Smokey and the Bandit. Like there's a, he does like lots of uh, Cannonball Run. Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, you say Cannonball Run, Longest yeah. Yard. Yeah. Deli- mm-hmm. Deliverance. Deliverance is pretty gritty, but yeah. I mean, there are... But not cop gritty. But, but he, yeah. I think he is one... I was about to say, the 80s really transition into purely star-driven action. And yeah. you have Sylvester Stallone with the uh, Rambo movies and Cobra and stuff like that. So I talked earlier about horror films. Not really. You don't really need a star. You don't have to spend a lot on the cast. Action movies are, in, in at least in the United States very star driven and mm-hmm. yeah. and and it needs to be anchored by uh, a star with incredible amounts of charisma and a physical presence and then with amazing action set pieces built around it and i suppose that that is an issue here because this film does have some pretty incredible stunts and set pieces like i Absolutely. i really my jaw dropped at that guy skiing off the edge of the cliff and, and that was like that that's was one a- of the coolest things i've ever seen and that was originally going to be an Honor Majesty service, Secret Service, but um, they just couldn't, just didn't know how to do it, yeah. and, and um, you know they end up like using it for this movie, which is awesome. It is yeah. awesome. And but Roger Moore's not an action star; he's just like a like a pompous little conservative dildo, yeah, uh, who's like too old to, to do it, you know. And uh, but but we're we're right there, and. And, and I think this is right around the time where, like, the guys who are going to be the next generation of great action stars are getting ready to b- jump on the scene. So Sylvester Stallone is emerging now. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Burt Reynolds, who I think – I don't know if people really talk about him enough as this interesting transition point from the 70s into the 80s. 
as like the as an action star because he's kind of oh, action he... slash adventure, right? He's yeah. a weird little like, and also sex like he's kind of a sex symbol as well. Oh, he was. I mean, we kind of. I mean, we didn't even grow up with this. Uh, no. We were a little late, but like it is. He was the biggest star of the year for like five years straight in the seventies. He was. Yeah. He was like uh, he was like the rock. Like he, everyone loved him. Like to use a uh, cliche phrase, women wanted him and men wanted to be him. Like, mm-hmm. e- like you know, you look at the top grocers of the year, and his movies won't be there. But when you start to like look at like the number tens, and you'd be like, Burt Reynolds is in like <laughs> a movie that is in the top ten or fifteen movies like every year for like a decade. He's yeah. just a huge star, and. And I think, yeah, he, like, I kept thinking of guys like him in the 70s who are kind of this new, you know, like, counterculture who, like, all oh, they didn't give a F. They didn't care about authority. Like Elliot Gould a little bit, which would be going kind of yeah. a little bit differently, but, you know, similar idea. Yeah, whereas Bond, I mean, Bond's, Bond is the man. Bond is a, he's a spook. <laughs> it, it, I think that that's what's really fascinating about Bond, like, American versus British movies is, like, Bond is like this perfect representation of that British hero wearing the tuxedo, uh, well-crafted hair, sipping a martini. And, and in the seventies, the American cinema brings back like that kind of offbeat detective character. Like you mentioned Mm -hmm. Elliot Gould and I'm thinking of his work with Robert Altman, where he sort of brings back that, uh, private eye character, but adds weed to it. And, (laughs) uh, and it, it it's fun that the seventies are, are kind of bringing those kind of or Jack Nicholson in Chinatown as well, like those characters are coming back into vogue. And then Roger, that's another reason why Roger Moore doesn't really work, is he's just so out of place. Well, I, you know what? He probably really is in place in the seventies because there's probably a huge audience that don't want mumbling stoners like Elliot Gould in their movies. They that's, want yeah, that's true. Straight laced guys like Roger Moore who you know, uh, hates minorities and, uh, <laughs> and is like, do we know plus. this about Roger Moore? Or are you nah, just, just saying that he's British? So he's probably racist. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, a Brit- like... he's a British Tory. I mean, he probably, okay, he probably, okay. probably doesn't like people with different colored skin. I mean, I feel it's, comfortable it's, saying it. it's probably like a bunch of, like a bunch of dads who got shell shocked in world war two. And like, you know, they grew up with the Connery bond and they don't, they don't want to see this Popeye Doyle using the F word and having a crumpled hat. Yeah. That's that's funny because Gene Hackman, even at this time, looked even older than Roger Moore looks at this time. But yeah, I think Roger Moore is, what, 49? Yeah, so Gene Hackman wasn't even that much younger younger than him, yeah. I guess. But the, but, the, but the dads don't want to see, like, Robert Redford talking about how the government's spying on him and stuff like that. You know, they, yeah, they, want, that is... they want someone who works for the government. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, a couple uh, quick production notes before I before before we head out. Um, Spielberg was considered to direct this, um, and uh, he didn't. <laughs> but but they had talked about it. he was end up doing that uh, another movie with the Jaws, uh, famous Jaws. Yeah, probably a good um, choice. Yeah, I think it worked I, out. And I don't think the direction is the problem in this. Like, I mean, I don't no, think that's... I mean, I don't it's, have no problem with it. I, yeah. Everything looks great. I mean, it's, you know, we talked about the ski jump, uh, mm-hmm. but also the, the battleships, uh, the car chases are really good. Like, everything's filmed very well. It's very well done. Yep, and it's it's interesting you bring that up because they brought in an expert um, on some lighting because especially with this huge set, the huge um, tanker set and submarine stuff, they brought in someone that Joe mentioned earlier, Stanley Kubrick, to help uh, give him some tips on how to light it. No way. Yeah. Really? The production designer is a friend of him, and he did uncredited work on the scene's lighting. I can't believe that. Yeah. For the super tanker scene, because it was so big, they didn't really know how to light it, because it's it's massive. That's pretty awesome. I believe it. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. Luckily, it's an um, English production, so because Stanley Kubrick won't fly for like the last fifty years of his life or whatever. Oh, I didn't know that. He so was, yeah, he, was, he had a bad experience with an airplane, and that's why, like, he more or less refused to 
take flights. That's why the New York of Eyes Wide Shut is a set that was built on his property. <laughs> it's, it's also why the jungle in Full Metal Jacket is not super convincing. <laughs> um, so here's the fact that I read that I couldn't wait to tell you guys, and I'm hoping you didn't read about it, but maybe you did. So um, the, uh, the submarine car, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, a Lotus, uh, Lotus Esprit. I don't know how to say that. Anyways, <laughs> it's kind of known as Wet Nelly. Because um, it was a car capable of transforming into a submarine, it was purchased by someone. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, in so 2013. Want... All right, Nicholas Cage. That's a that's a fun guess. Um, uh, Duff, do you have a guess? Elon Musk. You are correct. Oh, God. <laughs> Elon Musk bought it in 2013. Don't worry, guys. He planned to rebuild the vehicle and attempt to make the fictional dual-purpose car be an actual dual-purpose car. I wonder how that's going. Oh, yeah. <sighs> well, when Elon Musk says he's going to do something, he definitely always does it. And it definitely <laughs> always works. <laughs> Which is funny because, like, I, I, I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know however many years ago on a podcast, one of you mentioned that Elon Musk is a Bond villain and... And it's so funny that he has like a Bond car now. He'd be too. He'd he, be too easy to defeat. He wouldn't be a good Bond villain because he, nothing he makes works. <laughs> like, bond, like he'd bond. be. He'd be like, I'm going to escape to Mars, Bond, and then the rocket would blow up on the way up there. Or his grand <laughs> plan would be to invent something that already exists, like when he wanted to build that giant <laughs> tunnel for cars that was basically just a subway. Dude. So now what's kind of fun is I'll is we're going to jump eight years ahead, which we just did, actually. But now we're going to go, you know, we talked about the change in action films. We're going to go all the way to 1987 uh, will be our next one. And we're going to go with Living Daylights. Um, I'm really worried about this one because I have have an incredible fondness for Timothy Dalton. I think Timothy Dalton is absolutely wonderful. And I've seen a lot of his work, and I think he's absolutely fantastic. I've never seen him as James Bond. And I just, nope. I'm worried. I just, I, I think he, I, I think on paper he's got all the tools. Yeah. Um, I just, we'll I, 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 I'm just so scared I'm not going to like it. Um, and if you want more content this week, we're going to have a Patreon episode on Moonraker coming out. Uh, we're going to bring a friend of the show, Rob, on, who is a Bond fan. Which um, one? Man, <laughs> and, uh, hey, if we didn't like Roger more before, Maybe we'll like him when he's older and more immobilized in space. <laughs> well, maybe he moves faster in space because of gravity. Mm, great like, oh. point, Joe. Great oh, point. Thank God I can lift my knee up now. <laughs> Do my- you, uh, either of you have anything else you want to add to The Spy Who Loved Me or Roger Moore? Uh, no. Nope. All right. Good. Well, we'll be back, like I said, next week talking about The Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton. And then Patreon, patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys will have an episode on Moonraker. Give us your money. Mm-hmm.